Alright, how's it going everyone? Thanks for joining me on a new episode of Music Rio Podcast, episode 11 of Talking Tracks. Happy to be putting this one out. And uh, yeah, if you're new to the Music Rio Podcast or Talking Tracks, it's just a podcast where we talk about music. Talking Tracks is just a uh, periodic segment we do where we just talk about some new batch of tracks, 10 songs that we got today from uh, some artists and bands like... Uh, White Reaper, uh, Kuko, uh, Crosses, Jelly Roll even, The Arcs. We got a bunch of different stuff from all sorts of genres. If you are returning um, or if you're familiar with the segment, uh, Best and Worst Track of the Week, we have that ready and going for uh, at the end of this episode where we'll just be talking about the Best and Worst Track of the Weeks for the month of April this year. We are quite a bit behind, but at this point, I think I like Talking Tracks being a periodic segment as well, where we're just kind of in retrospect going over periods in time. And we'll be talking a bit about the top 40 right now as well. And it's always just good to just, uh, bring that back into the podcast where we talk about what's contemporary uh, or what's happening on the top 40 and what's what's really uh, striking the, uh, the, the engagement of the listeners of the mainstream uh, North American populace. I don't know. Looking forward to uh, getting started on that. Uh, but just before we get started, um, if you did not listen, there's also a new review for the latest Arctic Monkeys album, The Car. Had a quite uh, quite a bit to say on that one. It's probably one of the more elaborate review, uh, reviews I've done of just an album. I try to keep it as unbiased as possible just because it's a uh, favorite bands growing up, I'd say kind of had to be objective as possible on the album if you're curious on my thoughts uh, definitely go and check that out thank you to everyone that's listened also there's a not too old episode of talking tracks that i put out and at the end of october where i covered the you know some newish tracks from uh some artists like blink 182 uh king gizzard and lizard Wizard, dry cleaning uh maya hawk i guess ethan hawk's daughter she's also on stranger things uh, but yeah, um, hopefully I'll get some more out by the end of the year, some more reviews out, um, or just continue doing some more talking tracks. But nonetheless, thanks for tuning in today. Let's go ahead and get started. So yeah, the first track this week or for talking tracks this episode we got going is uh, The News by Paramore. This is their second single on, um, I'm guessing, an anticipated upcoming album release. Following up on that um that quite uh, well received and you know that awesome album they put out not too long ago I don't know why I said not too long ago um, it feels like it was just yesterday for some reason but yeah the album was titled After Laughter from 2017 um, I thought you know at least they were that album may have been out you know or came out in 2020 but nonetheless they're back um, or they're planning to be back um, with, uh, you know, some releases of, uh, you know, singles. This is why I think is the previous one. Um, but you know what? I probably was thinking about Haley Williams' solo projects that came out around 2020 that I think I reviewed. That probably makes a bit more sense. Anyways, this, uh, this new track, it's called The News. Um, thoughts on it? It's very energetic. Um, very reminiscent of Paramore's typical sound, especially from the earlier discography. Um, you know, I think it's a return to some darker colors in the track, kind of like what we were used to um, on a lot of their older music. 
Um, it reminds me a lot about the, it reminds me a bit of the track Ignorance. It's a bit of a longer track. Perhaps it could have been trimmed down a little bit. Um, interesting incorporation of some auxiliary textures like cowbell in the track at some points. Typical, not very typical Paramore in that sense, but um, it's a good, um, a good sound that they're going with, kind of hinting back of what they're used to do, what they used to do, and what they're good at doing. Um, but I'm a bit curious on how that fits into their newer sound that seems to be more of a poppy, um, 80s inspired, definitely more lenient on like an indie sound uh, as opposed to their more angsty punk and emo roots with uh, Haley's energetic performance. But nonetheless, decent track. I think I like This Is Why better though. Next one we're uh, gonna be talking about is Wasted On You by Andy Schaaf. Interesting singer songwriter that's been around doing his thing in the indie scene. Kind of starting to get more recognition as of late. Um, I think I was kind of forcefully dragged into listening to them, having to listen to um, Try Again, one of his um, more successful uh, singles on like contemporary indie radio. Um, but anyways, uh, he's back with some new stuff. Um, I think I've covered him on the podcast before. I like this track uh, for the most part. I love the light synth melody hook going on here some uh, light textures that's really fitting that blends in quite well with the track on Andy's voice. Um, I will say instrumentally, it is a bit uh, questionable on the production. The bass line's a tad muffled and muddy, but it provides a nice driving force throughout the track. Um, and the track has a nice hovering flo floating quality to it. It's very light, it's a little dreamy. Um, I could do without the little synth strings coming in and out of the track over and over. Um, you know, it, it kind of doesn't really do much for me. Um, so yeah, the track is a little bit repetitive, but has enough of a trancy quality to kind of keep the listener engaged, I think. Um, I don't think I like it as much as um, some of his other singles I'm used to, like Try Again, but nonetheless, pretty cool track. Um, next one's by a band called White Reaper with the track Fog Machine. These guys have been around quite a bit on, I think, the kind of alternative uh, rock scene with more actual alternative rock qualities. A lot of alternative now, it's just like al alternative pop, um, a la Imagine Dragons, but uh, White Reaper is very much so a rock band. Distortions on their guitars on most tracks. Um, they have a great front man with an iconic voice. Solid band overall, always kind of bringing in high energy, high, high energy tracks. Um, that, for instance, Fog Machine kind of opens up like it's the opening riff of a Kiss song. Um, I like the energetic performance, you know, that's captured in this recording here. Badly and punching bass coming through the track a lot of, and a lot of points. Um, I dig the bright synths that cut, cut through on the pre-chorus as well. I think the production's very lively. Um, it's a good White Reaper track. It's not bad. I, I have, uh, I should probably develop more of like a, a taste for White Reaper because I do like a lot of their music. I just have not bothered to sit down with a lot of discography. Um, it's definitely a band I would not mind uh, listening more of. And I think uh, if you're a fan of rock, it's probably a band that you know you should probably check out if you haven't. Uh, next artist is Circle Waves with the track Carry You Home. Um, not too familiar with Circle Waves other than I think I've just seen and uh, like seen the band on random festival posters. Um, and then maybe have like ran into a track or two just because I, listen to music randomly at some point in time and they were on you know they're they're kind of like your standard british indie alt rock band they fit the part in terms of their sound 
Uh, if I had to picture what they look like, I could kind of picture them looking a certain way. Um, has, you know, the, the, this track kind of brings in the iconic or just the, the signature anthemic chorus that you'd expect from like a British alt rock band um, with the driving eighth note bass line. I dig the moments that are created um, at the start of this track, um, especially as the phrases and the verses are coming in and out. You know, there's some interesting softer turned down moments that are dynamically interesting as well. The chorus material is a bit standard and by the numbers though, it's probably the least interesting thing about the sound of this track. Maybe circle wave sound in general, if this is one of their typical, how the typical tracks sound like. Um, you know, this set, this track sounds like it probably belonged a little bit more if it was in the earlier mid 2010s. If it, you know, if we kind of heard this track in that era, alt radio hit right there probably, but um, it's good for what it is. The track was interesting enough to where I'd probably want to listen a little bit more Circle Waves. Uh, hip hop R&B artists kind of came in through the scene, maybe in the past few years or so. Uh, I think some back burner hits here and there coming in and out of the Hot 100. I've never been convinced by Coil Ray. I think one of the first tracks I ever heard and reviewed was on um, an earlier Talking Track episode. I think it got worst track of the week. Um, just couldn't really see what the appeal is. Um, to be fair though, a lot of hip hop and R&B music I tend to cover on it's best and worst track of the week. Uh, that might, that kind of happens here and there just because it, it's not because I don't like hip hop and R&B, but a lot of the artists that come into the Hot 100 typically come in for reasons such as like being very popular on TikTok or just coming in and out for one week because, um, you know, Koi Ray or X artist was trending on Twitter a certain week. Um, but this track is a bit of a refreshing take, I guess, for, you know, Coil Array from what I've heard, because to be honest, there's not really much of a memorable um, quality. Here, probably the thing that sticks out though, is um, there's a nice, you know, retro electronic sample uh, integrated into the beat that makes it very high energy. Um, you know, it's a Grandmaster Flash sample. It's it's a pretty iconic piece of music. Um, it, it's it's old, it's retro. Uh, it's been in several works and uh, several different pieces of media, I'm sure. Um, you know, kind of provides a nice bouncy and funky bass that, you know, drives the whole entire track. And she sounds good on this. Um, I don't really know though that if it's really her making the track stand out as other contemporary hip hop artists, especially in the fe her female contemporaries that she competes with. Um, uh, I don't I don't think she would make this more interesting than Megan, Nicki, or even Cardi B. So it's a solid track here on out. To be honest, um, this, you know, this may be a hit. We'll see. Maybe I have to look and check on the Hot 100 a week from now to see if, she, if, if it made it on there. But um, I have to say, the this track seems like it had um, some definitely some potential to it but i think being that it's coil ray and not let's say making the stallion it's probably not going to go anywhere um but that's just my take next tracks from an artist i can't i haven't heard in some time um probably since maybe the late 2010s the kuko with pendant i would say they owe their success but they they came in with a scene that blew up, especially in the mid to late 2010s with bedroom pop. You know, artists like Claro come to mind, um, Boy Pablo, 
Kuko kind of fit into that uh, a little bit. He, I, I think he's from California. If I'm wrong, that's, you know, my bad. But he was kind of um, an, an interesting uh, take on that bedroom pop sound because he played, I think he plays trumpet or he incorporated like lively instrumentals combined with a very like lush electronic sound um, that kind of gave that ended up being like a blend of like this trancey, this, this trancey bedroom prop style that um, was more of like a, a weird hybrid, a psychedelic uh, sound and bedroom pop. So yeah, the, he's kind of building on that. The sound with this track pendant is more mature. There's definitely a psychedelic flavor to it right off the bat. I love the warmth, um, strings and bass textures that are incorporated on this track the warm and boomy bass um you know it's exceptionally smooth all throughout i think the whoever did the production on here if it's kuko um yeah really really good on that front you know interesting evolution for him um as this is more of like an instrumental track this sounds like more of like a band um perform this as opposed to kuko just writing this in his bedroom and producing it is on his own. It seems like this was done by a band in the studio and he's kind of aiming more on like having a band and you know, that being his sound um, as opposed to like the more electronic elements that were common in his music. Next one is uh, another electronic act, uh, Hollier with, uh, by Crosses. This is an interesting act mainly because it is comprised uh, one half of the, uh, the front man for Deftones, the, um, you know, the iconic uh, metal slash shoegaze inspired slash new metal, you know, giants. Like they're, they're very big. If you haven't heard Deftones, you probably have, you just don't know it. Chino Moreno is his name. Um, he, he has electronic, um, eighties inspired, very Depeche Mode like, uh, act with, um, I believe another, you know, musician producer type uh, person. So uh, the, the one thing about crosses that I never really dug is that they they go by a moniker or just like a um, a graphic instead of like the word crosses. It's just three crosses written out. So if you ever tried looking up what they're called, it, it's hard to find them if you're like looking and not expecting to see three crosses or vice versa. But nonetheless, uh, this track is kind of as you'd expect. Um, it is very 80s Depeche Mode electronic influenced. Um, Chino's vocals serve the aesthetic really well. The track does sound like it goes, it gets lost in itself a bit. It's doing the same thing quite often. It does it well, but it doesn't really progress to much else. Um, so not much evolution on here throughout the length of the track. And the track perhaps could be better maybe in the context of an album, which I'd like to hear. Um, but Hopefully there's just a little bit more diversity from, you know, sonically on the track, on the album, if this is going to be a full length album. Uh, still appreciate the work though. Uh, I, I had the next track I kind of had to incorporate on here. This is um, uh, up and not, I wouldn't even say up and coming. They're just becoming more mainstream. The artist is Jelly Roll with the track Need a Favor. This artist has come up personally in my life, which is hearing about various people I know perhaps talking about this artist more that probably wouldn't listen to the same music as I do, but I still find it interesting that the, this artist is gaining traction to uh, different generations. So older, younger, and then being in the same and being the particular aesthetic, which they are, which is like kind of like an outlaw, a mainstream rock country pseudo outlaw. 
um, sound. If I would, I'd have to say it's slightly edgier Kid Rock um, with the guys that with a voice that's a little bit less talented than I'd say uh, Luke Combs. So then they're not quite country, but they're kind of country, and they appeal to those people. But anyways, the track is Need a Favor. Uh, the instrumental is, um, it, it just reminds me like it's a few creative choices off from essentially being that one, ch that one song from the nineties, I believe it's called what it's like from Everclear. Um, I really hope that's right. It's the Everlast, not Everclear. Everclear was the other band from the nineties, but Everlast is the, the track I'm thinking of. Uh, the instrumental is like, you know, just a few, you know, different strums and slightly you know, melodic and maybe harmonic choices away from being that track. Um, but, you know, that, that's not too much of a criticism. Jelly's Roll's vocal tone, I will say, it's probably the, the one more, it's probably the most interesting thing about this. It's nasally. It's a bit distracting. You can tell he has chops, but um, maybe he just doesn't have, like, a refined control of his voice or something like that. Uh, the track is quite commercial as well, especially, like, you know, aesthetically with a bunch of tropes thrown in and out of like what you'd expect there to be with some pandering going on to a certain audience. It has a sense of softness to it that kind of just goes against what this dude is marketed as, which is like this rough and rugged blue collar worker that, you know, likes to drink beer and, you know, sing about uh, needing a favor, uh, which in this case, it's, there's a religious tone in, in involved, but um, it, it's quite plain. I'm not too interested in what I heard. And if I had to guess, the, the rest of the discography is probably similar. But who knows? I, I might cover some more Jelly Roll in the future just to see what's up. And I'm more interested in how it, how the, the artist is interacting culturally um, more than like musically. But anyways, check out Jelly Roll if you're interested. Uh, the next track is Eyes by The Arcs. Uh, the Arcs, this being the confusing side project from Black Keys, Dan Arbok. I'm still confused why they're releasing singles when the Black Keys are literally announcing world tours for the upcoming year. But who knows? I don't know what's up with that. Maybe Dan Arbok doesn't go on the tour with ARCs. I don't know how that works. But anyways, uh, I'm pretty sure Dan Arbok provides some vocals on the tracks because uh, it sounds like him. Uh, I will say the soft vocal tone he has going on here, it sounds very controlled and refined. It's quite nice, actually. I'm digging the light textures overall. The synths, the clean guitar accommodate, accommodates the track all well. The synths, the clean guitar accommodates the track quite well. Um, and then uh, I think I like this more than the last ARCs track I covered, which I think actually was on the last talking track. So yeah, th this is a bit of an improvement. Um, and so since there's two singles, uh, quite recently. Um, that's why I kind of suspect there's some sort of project perhaps coming out, if not already. But then that make, doesn't make sense because the Black Keys are in the middle of their tour. So uh, the ARCs perhaps don't really care um, promoting this album. I'm confused. Um, but yeah, the, the track is it's nice. It, there's an overall floating style to it with a relaxing mood. It's quite, you know, it's not bad. Uh, Emergency Contact uh, is the last track by a band called Pierce the Veil. More than likely, you know, if you're one of those emo kids or you've been more into that, um, uh, since like their, I guess their introduction in the late 2000s, I think. They've had a certain sound. Um, it's been very uh, punk and emo oriented. 
uh, with maybe hints of like hardcore here and there. I think they have breakdowns and screams on some of their tracks, but uh, it seems like they've been changing it up for more of like a, a more commercial rock sound that kind of delves away from like the typical, uh, you know, emo kid sound uh, and style. It seems like now they're probably wanting to be more uh, played on, uh, I don't know, uh, alt radio than uh, like a hot topic playlist. The stuff I've heard is not too bad. This track, you know, probably the most uh, drastic shift I've heard from them. I like the rhythmic and fuzzy guitar tone that drives this track. Uh, I dig the band's current evolution and progression with stuff like this. There's some bunchy pace lines that cut through, you know, the their basis and, uh, you know, their, their instrumentals overall. There's some good stuff happening on this track. Uh, I will say maybe the one interesting thing I picked up on is like the Vic Fuentes, I think is the front man. He sounds a bit out of place. It's not a big deal considering it's just the way he sings, but I will say, um, you know, it's just a little weird to hear him in the context of a track like this. There's some big synth embellishments that so show up in the second pre-chorus. It's a bit, you know, commercial, but it's maybe a bit reminiscent to past commercial rock acts that maybe were successful, you know, 10-ish years ago, maybe. There is a random breakdown at the end. Like, they kind of had to throw that in to kind of just prove they're still Pierce the Veil. But overall, I like what they're doing here. It's a cool track. But um, yeah, that's uh, the last of the 10 tracks that we covered. Pretty happy with what we talked about on here. Um, but now we will transition to uh, best and worst track of the week. So if you want to hear me talk about um, the best and worst tracks of April on the Hot 100 and kind of just hear my thoughts on the Hot 100 in general, kind of just more or less of what you heard now, but more mainstream stuff, stick around. And yeah, we'll just start that now. Uh, best and worst track of the week for the month of April this year. April is, uh, I will say compared to March, I don't think it was, it wasn't as hard as to get through because March, um, there's a lot of tracks on there that I was just questioning or just pissed me off. April was just a lot of like filler, um, prerogatory, hot 100 stuff and um if you're not familiar with uh best orange strike of the week so what best orange strike of the week was and is now still kind of is uh used to be a, a weekly segment where i took every hot 100 chart and i would talk about uh the best track i found from the new entries and then the worst track from those new entries uh and that would just happen every week um, it is now currently just a periodic segment where I go back to the month and go through each individual week in the month and then still look at the new entries and pick a track that's the worst and pick a track that's the best. So um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at with that. Just to kind of give an update on the current state of the Hot 100, I always like doing that. Um, seems like uh, what surprised me most was that Taylor Swift is actually still holding on to number one in this current week. Uh, the week I'm referencing is uh, the uh, week of the week of December 10th. So the, the reason why I'm surprised that Taylor Swift on the week of December 10th is number one is that because in December, the Hot 100 becomes a clusterfuck of Christmas music. And typically the Hot 100 is dominated by the most popular Christmas tracks that you would hear going to um, any given uh, store that plays Christmas music around this time. I'm talking about All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. That's at number two. Uh, somehow Taylor's managed to still stay at number one with that. I, I do anticipate that, you know, if you really want to see what happens next week, 
All I Want for Christmas is You is probably going to be number one. It's, that's not surprising. Um, but yeah, we have other stuff, of course. Barry, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree at number three. Uh, Jingle Bell Rock, probably the most common rendition. Hi, uh, Holly, Jolly Christmas. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And then Last Christmas by Wham, which is probably the best Christmas song in this whole entire damn chart. But anyways, uh, beside the fact, that's typically why I avoid covering the Hot 100 around December. Uh, you're even doing a, talk, uh, a best and worst track of the week for the month of December, in my opinion. It's a little useless, but um, uh, that, that's a conversation for another day. Um, in terms of what else that's going on in the, the, the chart that's interesting, not too much other than um, Unholy by Sam Smith and Kim Petras. I think this was like an outlier sort of surprise track that ended up being quite big, uh, especially considering Sam Smith's career has been a little um, on the downside ever since he peaked in the mid-2010s. Um, you know, with the track Unholy, I really don't like this track. I, for some reason, remember covering on maybe the past couple podcasts or two. But besides how I feel about that track, I still think it's quite impressive. It's holding on to number four. It was number three last week. I, I just don't think it's very authentic for Sam Smith to be on a track like this. I think he's kind of selling out a bit, but I don't care about Sam S Smith enough to, you know, that to really bother me. And yeah, I I don't know if this, this seems like maybe we're on like the second or third week of Christmas music infiltration. So. This is pretty much the state of the chart. Random Christmas tracks spread here and there. Um, one other thing I um, I thought was interesting um, a a a Spanish um, or you know a Latin music track. I hate grouping it that way by uh, a, a music artist or a group called Grupo Frontera with a track called Nelsa Va is at. So actually, this track is at um, number eighty four. It was at 57 last, or it peaked at 57. Last week it was at 79, and it, it's been on the chart for 10 weeks. Um, so I think this is interesting because this is more of like, it's not a reggaeton track. It's not also one of the, like the newer wave, um, younger Spanish artists that are blowing up on TikTok. It's kind of like a, an established group uh, that has uh, ties to the Tejano genre. Um, and it, it's been quite successful on the Hot 100. I think this, it's an extremely interesting case. Um, if I had to guess, it's probably trending because of TikTok because weird stuff trends on the Hot 100 only because of TikTok now. But still, uh, the fact that it's had this long of a staying you know, power to it, um, 10 weeks for a band like this, a song like this, it's a great song. I'm not sure if I talked about it previously on the pod, but you know, for what it is, it's just a bit, uh, it, it's a, bit uh black sheep ish for the hot 100 it, it this stuff other than reggaeton we only typically get reggaeton on the uh latin side coming in but this is not that this is something else which uh it seems like it's going out it'll be out probably in a week or two but pretty cool um anomaly there um as it was by harry styles the other thing i noticed at, still at number 14 Hanging on with As It Was, it was at number eight last week. So this track, this song has a lot of staying power. It's been here for 35 weeks. Depending on how it survives the Christmas music uh, infiltration, if, it's, if it hangs around the 20s or the teens after Christmas music is over with, 
Uh, this track may stay on the chart for over a year or close to a year. We'll see. And then also, um, I, I just had to, um, I, 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 I'm such a boomer. Um, I don't really even know who Glorilla is. I'm assuming if I, you know, I, I will talk about Glorilla eventually, but uh, at more length. But uh, I, I, I was, I wanted to just out of curiosity get that track out of the way that she has um, with uh, Cardi B on the Hot 100 right now. Number 37, Tomorrow 2, peaked at number nine. It's been on the chart for 10 weeks. So uh, not impressed with Glorilla. Uh, I'll, I'll give her another chance, but she seems like a pseudo great value Megan the Stallion. And, and Cardi B doesn't sound that great on this track either. It, if, if there was going to be some sort of strength to it, I, I would have pictured Cardi B would have brought it on this. But from what I heard briefly, didn't really dig that. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, I stuck around a little bit on my opinions of the current state of the Hot 100 right now. But um yeah we're ready to go into april so this is we're going back to april 2022 taking a best and worst track of the week from every week based off the new entries five weeks on uh this month so it's a bit of a long month but um april 2nd is where we'll start um this week of april 2nd uh there wasn't much going on that was that interesting there was a a bit of like an outlier uh, tracks or with um, Tom's Diner by a German, two German acts collaborating on like this old trip pop sample. They're called Annen May Kantreit, probably some German thing I'm not pronouncing, and Giant Rooks. Um, I thought it was good as I listened to it the first time. Didn't quite get best track of the week though, but I thought it was an interesting uh, track to come in, especially since it's more on the European side of things. Don't see a whole lot of European stuff coming in through the Hot 100 as I, I think I used to see, but you know. Uh, and then also Machine Gun Kelly had a terrible Paramore ripoff track with Maybe uh, featuring Bring Me the Horizon. You know, it's a bit surprising that that didn't get worst track of the week, but uh, the, the track that did uh, really did it for me. Um, she Likes It by Russell Dickerson and Jake Scott. Now, Russell Dickerson is a country artist that's probably been around in the mainstream for, I don't know, probably the last five years or so. Kind of liked, to, I will I will say, he has a track of what, with like uh, talking about a blue Tacoma riding around California. Um, God Gave Me You. Uh, just some big country tracks that I, I thought he was doing something good. I thought he was bringing like some soul and uh, energy to the country music scene, but uh, he's, a, he's quite disappointing on this track. He's really selling out to pop subgenre that country music has basically become now. Um, yeah, country's in a weird state. It's very, it's a, probably as mainstream as it's ever been, but the music is probably as bad. It's worse than the bro country era, which that's saying something. And this song is a good example. Jake Scott, Scott, I didn't do much research on him. I think he's just been, he's a has-been or he's someone trying really hard to break out. And this was his shot with this track with Russell Dickerson. Uh, this track, I, I don't want to stick around on it too much, but um, it, it's it's the opening guitar hook that tries to bring you in. is It's dry, it's basic. The track itself just goes through this pseudo-sexy, seductive nature, uh, and it just fails. It just ends up being very slow and clunky, um, formulaic to the core. So formulaic, it's about as sexy as like a math or science equation. 
uh, math, uh, when Jake and Russell start harmonizing together, it sounds very chant-like, like they weren't really enjoying themselves in the studio or they're questioning themselves when they're recording this. So yeah, pretty bad track. Luckily though, the, the best track of the week was probably one of the ones that stood out for me this whole entire month. Uh, Sometimes by Juice World. Um, given the circumstances regarding Juice World and how long it's been since he's passed, I do have mixed feelings regarding uh, releases, po posthumous releases, and they seem like they keep on finding tracks. Um, but this is really good. Uh, you know, if there, there's going to be posthumous releases, I'm glad the music's at least good. It has Juice World's ethere uh, signature etherealness, nice flow to it that just organically fits his deliveries. You know, it just fits so well. Uh, the production, the sub-bass textures, um, you know, nicely enhances vocals. It's composed beautifully. Uh, it's a personal and dark track. It, I mean, if, you know, granted these are, you know, his thoughts and, you know, they're not just lyrics. Uh, it kind of puts a lot of things into, into a certain perspective uh, regarding him. But, um, the, you know, the, the sometimes hook is quite, you know, it's very hooky. It grasps you and it, it's not annoying makes the track memorable and the track maybe sticks around a little bit too long, but that's not a big deal. Um, it got best track of the week. Next week, uh, April 9th, not a whole lot going on other than a really bad MGK track featuring Black Bear. It's interesting for MGK standards as of late. I thought the, the track was still a little bit middle of the road, but um, uh, there's also a Nicki Minaj track, kind of forgettable um, as well. Nothing all too memorable, um, nothing terrible either. I really struggled to find a what was worst track of the week. Um, but it have, it had to go to Seagay by Jay Balvin and Ed Sheeran um, by default. Now, I don't know what was going on in April. This, I'm surprised, or I'm not surprised, but I'm thankful. I, I, uh, I dodged this bullet with this track because this is a, a reggaeton track uh, featuring Ed Sheeran being the main attractions, singing in Spanish. He didn't have to do that. I don't know who told him that it was okay to attempt a reggaeton track, but perhaps one of the more popular, other than Bad Bunny, Jay Baldwin was very popular. It still is very popular, but if, if there was someone blowing up before Bad, Bad Bunny blew up, it was Jay Baldwin. You know, I, I really hope Jay Baldwin didn't come up with this idea, but... Um, you know, Ed needed Jay Balvin on this track because he admittedly sounds decent when Jay Balvin's covering it up, covering him up on the vocal layering. But um, uh, that's about um, that's about it. Who I mean, who gave Ed Sheeran the idea to do this? Um, I mean, Jay Jay Balvin barely makes this track bearable. He sounds is the the worst thing about this track is that. Ed sounds even more British than he ever has. You know, he the the British comes out even though he's trying to sing a reggaeton tr uh, track in Spanish. So I'll say that that was worst track of the week for the week of April 9th. Um, best track is by a smaller uh, Latin artist as well. Uh, Soy El Unigo is the name of the track uh, by uh, Yaritza Isu Isencia. Underground Latin group. I don't know if underground's the word, but they're certainly not massive. They kind of... Uh, it's kind of hard to identify what style they are, but they're not, they're not mainstream Latin pop and they're not reggaeton. Um, they're kind of just, they, they're based off of like these very traditional styles, uh, with, uh, organic instrumentation, you know, incorporated. Um, so it, it's almost folk-like, but 
Uh, this is a beautiful track. Um, there's some lovely organic instrumentation on here, a melodic and bouncy bass line um, that accompanies the vocals and guitar just quite perfectly. The lead vocalists in this band, you know, they're a very unique talent. You know, they, they have a flair to them that makes this track just kind of pop. There's a wailing and rawness, and I, I think they're quite young. So I think that's where this rawness comes from. It's hard to replicate. Um, you know, some lovely hooky guitar riffs that kind of just kick it all off. It doesn't sound too forced. Everything about this just sounds organic. And, um, you know, depending on how things go for this group, you know, eventually they might have to go commercial, but I hope they kind of keep the sound. Um, but that's it for the week of April 9th. April 16th, <sighs> some pretty bad stuff happening here. Um, I, I did struggle on what to find um, or what was the worst track. Complete Mess by Five Seconds of Summer is a disappointment. That was bland. I, I almost gave it worst track of the week. It's kind of hard when Parmalee is on here too with Take My Name. That is just bland as well. It's as about as bland as you could expect if you're aware of what Parmalee does. So it's a bad track. Uh, and then also um, Lil TJ In My Head. This almost got worst track of the week, but uh, it samples a Sean Kingston track, I think, that is very um, nostalgic for me, but it was a missed opportunity with uh, what it had going for it. I think Lil TJ is probably the only artist that could fuck it up that bad, but Given that it was so close to that uh, that dear uh, Sean Kingston track, I couldn't give it worst track of the week. It, what got worst track of the week was pretty damn bad. It was kind of disappointing because um, it was a collaboration with uh, Raul Alejandro and an artist called Chencho Corleone. Corleone. I don't know how to say it. Uh, I, I'm too brain dead right now to uh, pick up the Spanish pronunciation, but Corleone, I think. Chencho Corleone. Latin artist, I think, from Mexico. Desaparados is the name of the track. Um, Raul Alejandro is probably one of the more the, the more exciting up-and-coming reggaeton artists I've heard in the past year or so. Chencho, on the other hand, this is my introduction to him, I think. What's disappointing is that the dudes on this track, he he's all over the place. He doesn't really have nothing that bring that he brings to the track that is, I think exceptionally original or well done he sounds like he's just trying to copy ozuna's delivery but he sounds even more nasally and higher in the vocal range um he sounds like a pipsqueak ozuna like ozuna hasn't hit pu puberty yet so if you, you can you know if you picture how ozuna sounds on a typical track this is what ozuna prior to hitting puberty sounds like so he ruins this song it's obnoxious his delivery his vocal timbre Whatever he's trying to do here, sing, rap, it's terrible. Um, it lacks self-awareness. It's articulated way too short um, most of the time. He sounds terrible when he's thrown on the chorus with Raul. Um, you know, he, Raul was Alejandro's, this track did not need this guy. Ra Raul could have probably done a better Ozuna impersonation if that's what they're really going for. Or hell, have Ozuna on this track. I'm sure he'll show up for the check. Rao still doesn't, you know, he sounds quite good on this track. That's probably the most disappointing thing. When he's, it's just him, the track's fine. He, well, why did he need to collab with this guy? I'm, just, I don't know. This rental isn't bad either. It's, I mean, it is very much so standard reggaeton, but that's all I'll say about that. The best track of this week, though, I think it won by default. I, I, I wanted to give it to Sean Mendez, but the, the there was no comparison with stick um by jid j cole fitching kenny mason and sheck west 
to be honest, this track is too much, too feature heavy, too mixtape liked for me to even know who Kenny Mason is. I don't know who Kenny Mason is. I couldn't identify him here. The track's just good. Jid's on here doing his thing, I think, as it opens up. Um, I think it's part of some J. Cole mixtape that came out earlier this year. Some really artsy production choices and moments. Um, there's some interesting refrains. Roll down the window, roll up. Um, nice flow from Jid on here that brings a lot of dynamics and energy to the track. There's a lot of grit and angst to it. The instrumental has an ethereal personality that I dig. Uh, J. Cole fits quite well into this. He doesn't overbear either. He doesn't try to make this his track. It's very much so a collaboration. Some nice, boomy, full sub bass that really gives some uh, the beat some weight. Not a bad track. Some menacing aspects to it too that gives it like... Uh, with like this deep vocal track sample thing added at the end kind of makes it a little dark you know gives the track some more chemi uh, character so that's best track of the week for april 16th um moving on to april 23rd um <clears throat> probably one of the worst tracks that i've heard this year with uh praise the lord by breland featuring thomas rett this is even worse than that um that one track with russell dickerson and jake scott this this track is just embarrassing um it's tropey as hell breland sounds like he's trying to be um he's trying to actually be an off-brand anderson pack even though he's in the country genre but they still try to make this a pop slash gospel pandering thing it's very tropey I'm not really sure what they're trying to do here other than just pander to the church-going demographic that listens to country music. Um, some disgusting use of gospel hand claps and organ stuff that you'd find in like real gospel churches. It's like they just took, you know, sound bits from that and just threw it on the track and thought it was cute. It's very, it's a very cheap track. The sung melodic material that Braylon like does, where it seems like he's actually trying to sing a melody at some point and not just talk um do a, like a sing talk thing uh it doesn't make the track even all that more interesting um it, it's just very generic uh when thomas rett hops on he doesn't he doesn't do it either uh I, I really think he just came on this for the check uh bad track one of the worst i've heard this year nothing's executed nicely on this thing <sighs> the, the best track was kind of hard on this week this was um this was a tough one because I like Neck and Wrist by Pusha T, Jay-Z, and Pharrell Williams. Psycho Freak by Camila Cabello featuring Willow was a decent track, but um, just couldn't quite get it, give it best track of the week. Also, Treat Me by Chloe. Um, that's a total Ariana Grande ripoff, definitely. I wouldn't be surprised if that was an Ariana Grande B-side or a song written for Ariana Grande that she didn't want to take. Uh, best track of the week, though, Thumb Shit by 42 Doug, EST, ESTG. This is very much so the hard gangster rap stuff that comes into the Hot 100. I think I've heard 42 Doug and EST on like some Pooh Shiesty tracks. Um, first time I've heard, I think 42 Doug do like his own thing. It's probably one of the more interesting, he's probably has one of the more interesting flows I've heard in the top 40 or Hot 100 in quite some time. He knows how to ride this beat. Uh, it's fluid all throughout. He finishes his line with uh, his lines with interesting rhythmic ideas. You know, the, the track has dark and moody features all throughout with uh, synth embellishments coloring this thing. Uh, the chorus section is not as hooky as I think they're aiming. I think the chorus is probably like the weakest thing on this track, but it doesn't really need a chorus um, to be that good. ESG sounds fitting on here too. 
Um, I like the overall vibe this track creates and the rhythmic ideas and the beat and delivery, especially what 42 brings on his, uh, you know, his vote, his verses. He's very versatile and it sounds good. So best track of the week goes to uh, Thump Shit by 42 Doug ESTG. Uh, that was for the, uh, the week of April 23rd. So now we're finally on the last week, week of April 30th. Um, uh, worst track of the week was kind of easy. Um, there was some bad stuff here, uh, or actually just some middle of the road. It wasn't that, there was nothing that exceptional or that terrible on this week. But I had to give the worst track of the week to 6-9 with a Gene. G-I-N-E, however he meant for that to be pronounced. <clears throat> you know, typically I'm not that much of a 6-9 hater. I know, you know, I don't think of him as an exceptional rapper, or exceptional artist, but I usually have some tolerance. Um, but his vocal, his vocal delivery, his whole style just sounds worn out at this point. There's nothing new being done uh, to the point where his voice sounds hoarse for how he's, you know, he's doing the gritty yelling type of delivery. Uh, it sounds like his voice gets tired, you know, through the track and he just didn't bother doing another take to when, to save his voice when it sounded healthy. Uh, probably because he can't afford studio time, I don't know. The style that made him well known, you know, it really hasn't changed all too much. Um, you know, his delivery just sounds strained. He sounds tired. The reluctance to change it up at this point is just a failure to realize that this whole 6ix9ine persona is just one, it's one dimensional. It hasn't evolved at all. Uh, the beat has little to no development. The lines end up just flowing the same flow it's just like a hodgepodge of the same shit for like three-ish minutes. Uh, the lyrics even sound very similar to other 6ix9ine things that I've heard in the past years ago. Uh, the production is unnecessarily reverby as, as well. I don't know. I, I think ultimately it's a failure on production and just self-awareness. But uh, yeah, Gene by 6ix9ine, worst track of the week. Um, just a lot of middle-of-the-road stuff, you know, and the best track won by default. Uh, with About Damn Time by Lizzo. Yeah, this this is how old this this uh, Best and Worst track of the week is. Uh, that, you know, the single for Lizzo's uh, album in the summer is Best Track of the Week. Um, but I like this track uh, when I covered it on the album review that I did for her. Um, if you haven't checked it out, check out the Lizzo special album review. But um, it's a funk-inspired track. Um, you know, it has some weight to it. There's some grit that Lizzo provides on here. Something slightly dual about the chorus section. It's a little monotone, but, um, you know, it doesn't fit in because she's very charismatic on the verses and other areas of the track. It's just for some reason, the chorus, for some reason, just bothers me slightly. A nice second verse here that perhaps features the most catchy section of the track. Um, and the track does end up being quite disco and splutes as uh, influence as it develops with uh, you know, some melodic uh, melodic hook flute hook that Lizzo I'm assuming plays on the recording um, it shows up quite prominently prominently on that bridge and it, it's slightly derivative of like what you'd expect uh, you know generic uh, a generic disco or funk sound to have been I guess in the 70s when that was a thing but um yeah um uh, yeah so that that was it uh best track of the week about damn time to Lizzo um everything else was just a bit disappointing in the middle of the road so props to Lizzo on having the best track of the week uh for April 30th and the album wasn't too bad but yeah I'll just leave it at that thanks for sticking out on this long episode um I'll have fun editing it later and uh 
course, thanks for listening to the Music Reviewer. Like and subscribe on YouTube if you're on there, or just keep on coming back on however you're listening to this on the podcast side. I appreciate anyone listening, and uh, of course, take it easy.